You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, 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 yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrett, and I just want to say thank you for showing up. I am having the best time ever because you know what I get to do? I get to interview the biggest rock stars, best teachers, best speakers in all of dentistry, and I get to bring you that information to help you create a better practice and a better life. So thank you guys for showing up. I hope by showing up here, it just makes your practice and your life a little bit better. And that's a win for all of us. And today I interviewed two awesome human beings, Dr. John Cranham and Lee Culp. And we talk about how the digital workflows are changing the landscape of dentistry. And it is super cool. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrett, and I get the pleasure, the awesome pleasure of being a CE junkie and hanging around with my friends and learning from them. And hopefully you're learning in this process too. I have one goal, with just one goal with this podcast, to bring you great thinkers in dentistry and ask them great questions to help you create a better practice and a better life. So I just want to thank you guys for showing up. Thanks for being here. And today is no exception. I've got two incredible human beings on today. And we're going to be talking about the transition that most of you are making, which is over to the digital world. And everybody has questions. Everybody has opinions. And everybody's coming from different vantage points on this. And we're going to just fly right into it. So I've got my good friend, Dr. John Cranham and Lee Culpon. Hey, guys, thanks for being on. Hey, Kurt. Happy to be here. Hey, buddy. So glad to be back, as yeah. always. As always. Now, I got to start here. We got to do a tiny little bio because there's a lot of new people listening. Just real quick, who are you guys and why should I listen to you if I'm just jumping onto this podcast now? Well, Lee's more interesting than me, so go ahead, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so my name's Lee Culp. I'm a dental technician and own a laboratory. Uh, been doing this for 35 years. We were the for one of the first, if not the first, digital laboratory on this planet. So I'm really looking forward, Kirk, to sharing almost 30 years of experience doing this. This will be fun. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm I'm 34 years in as a dentist and uh Kind of started out totally immersed in the analog world uh, under the yep. tutelage of Dr. Dawson and got a chance to teach with him for about 16 years and, and, and help run that organization. Um, but really been on a journey a lot like Lee. I started about 15 years ago, really fooling around with different digital technologies. Probably it's really just been in the last three years, at least for me, much longer for Lee, but really being able to make a complete 100% transition to digital workflows. And uh, I got to say, I'm having probably the most fun I've ever had in dentistry doing this. So. Yeah. And I'm loving this. And you know, if you're a young dentist listening, I mean, one of your favorite things in the world is just to get around great thinkers and great mentors. Yep. This is a unique combo because these guys are now working together from, you know, the chair and the lab bench. So 
Talk about getting, you know, two people, you, you could almost hear both of you in stereo, <laughs> you know, every time it's in the case, because these guys are straight shooters. They also know what they're talking about. So if you're looking for a great mentor, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But um, I want to talk about the transition that's happening is, John, how is it different, you know, moving to 100% digital workflows uh, compared to the way it used to be? And then, Lee, I'm going to ask you the same question. So take us down that road. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, um, and again, it, it it didn't certainly didn't happen overnight. And and I give Lee a lot of credit for figuring out um, some of the things we're doing now, almost tricking the, the software to do things that maybe it wasn't designed to do. But being able to do, for instance, the mounting process, and I and I'll just kind of think about that. You know, being a a Dawson slash Panky trained dentist, um, believing in articulation and believing in always formulating a plan if I'm going to do something sort of major like an equilibration or an ortho case or sort of case. Um, you know, we, for 30 years of my practice, we would take photographs, you know, with slides initially, then digital. Um, we would take a face bow, we'd take stone or impressions, make stone models, take a centric relation bite record. And that process of getting models on an articulator where we could study I mean, if I'm honest, when I was learning to do it, it probably took me two years working really hard before I really felt like I was staring at a set of casts that I could then trust that was, in fact, in centric relation. Um, now, in the digital world, what's sort of crazy is I'll still start with the exam like we always do. We will scan the patient. I will use a, a leaf gauge to find centric and we scan that bite. And then my assistants will start doing the rest of the, 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 the process, start taking pictures. Now, nowadays what can happen is the second that the scans are done, they go to the cloud. My son who works with us grabs the scans and he literally has them mounted on a virtual articulator before they're done taking pictures. It literally takes maybe five minutes and I still, I don't necessarily do the whole treatment plan that day, but I can certainly look at things and get a really quick flavor of this case, like whether I think I can equilibrate it, whether it's going to be more orthodontically directed, whether there's restorative. I can have a pretty intelligent conversation of what I'm seeing with that patient and sort of direct them to thinking about not only the problems they have, but what I think maybe we'll be talking about the next time they have the consult. But whatever, whatever everybody wants to think about is, is there's a huge time savings, but the air, the natural air that occurred in the analog world from taking an impression, whether it's alginate or polyvinyl, mixing powder and liquid stone and pouring it in and knowing there's going to be expansion and contraction, and then mounting stone and and God forbid, wax that you're trying to get models to fit into um, that we worked really hard to do. And again, we did that. But the difference in the level of accuracy and what's really cool than watching my daughter, who's just, you know, two years in now, her ability to do some of these things at a pretty high level so much more confidently than I could. And a lot of it's just the process. So that's just the, the diagnostic part. Now, when we get into to waxing and trial equilibration, all these things just happen so much faster and the outputs are so much better. You know, instead of, you know, sitting there with a waxer, we're manipulating, um, you know, from a hundred different types of teeth that we could put in there. Um, anyway, and then printing something that's going to be, be unbelievable. So, yeah. So it's just, just from the diagnostic part, we haven't talked, taught about, you know, impressions and, and being able to communicate with a lab at extremely high level. Um, it's just an incredible time savings. And then the outputs are so much better. It just leads to higher degrees of predictability in what we're doing. And so yeah. I, I, I had a conversation with some of the people we're coaching, like it was, it was kind of a game, but like how much money would somebody have to give you to take your three shapes away? Like how much would they... To go back to stone and do it the way you used to it, how much would they have to give you? It's a big number for me because of just how much better it is and how, and how much more efficient it is. 
Yeah, and you can't. And Lee, I want to ask you the same question, but I want to just add, just some clarification. One hundred percent. Like one of the questions, and I, you know, I know where you're going with this. Do you have any impression material at all? <laughs> like, like if you had to, say, and you know how this goes. Like the older we get, we never say for sure, absolutely, because we're going to put a date next to it, type of a thing. But are you one hundred percent digital? I think the only thing, and Lee can comment on this because he's pushing the envelope with it a little bit, but. But the only thing that I still impress is um, full arch implant cases. And, and again, there's some data that kind of says that cross arch um, scanning may be a little bit less accurate. Um, but again, there's also ways around that because you could scan with scan bodies and then do a verification jig and cut it and get that, you know, so make a corrective model. So there's definitely ways around all that. But but like I used to really think you couldn't do veneers with scanning. I do veneers with scanning all the time now. Um, so there is definitely, and one of the things we talk about with our group, there's definitely some inherent things you have to understand about scanners versus traditional impression materials. It's all line of sight. Um, it's not as important to get cord past the margin as it is to open it up so they can see the margin, you know? Um, so, there's little things like that we can get into, but, but no, I mean, from my perspective, what I, the tip that I would tell, and this is where I think people get into trouble is they don't trust the digital. So what they will do is they'll start to do something digital and then they go back to analog to check it. And when you start going back and forth between analog and digital, I think you can really screw things up. It's either better to be all digital or all analog. Maybe Lee, you can comment on that a little bit. Yeah. I'm sure you see some of that. What do you think, Lee? Absolutely. So, I mean, one of our goals in doing this is first changing the perception of what digital dentistry and CAD CAM is. Uh, I mean, you had two, two pioneering companies, E4D and CEREC, literally changed the world when they came out with their systems. But there's still that perception that's what you do. You scan, you make a crown, you mill it out, and that's that is so much in the mind of so many people. The goal here is to really show that we can do anything. We can do all the diagnostics. We can work together. We can do patient presentations. We can do it so much faster, accurate, and efficient that we've never been able to do this before. And we can do it really quickly. So when we talk about, uh, we're, we're, excuse me, talking about impressions. So I still get impressions into the laboratory. Uh, I would say digital is now up to about 60%. Uh, and when we go, because people will go, well, it can't do this or it can't do that and it can't do this. And as soon as somebody says it can't, I start bringing it in, bring it yeah. up. Let's see. Let, let's actually see if it's better, different, because a lot of times we've got to ask, is it different or is it better? So if we talk about one of the things John just mentioned, full arch, all on X type impressions, I don't know that we're doing any better with impressions than we are with digital scans. And we can still do corrective casts if things aren't working. But John is able to do things so much faster and efficient and be able to educate his patients right then. Not, not, not two weeks later after we pour all the models and do all this. <coughs> and he can do things very fast and efficient. I act kind of as a repository for data. So, you know, when you think of a dental laboratory, you think of a laboratory that makes things and we definitely make things. We like making things, but 50% of what we do is planning, diagnostics, ortho, surgical, maxillofacial. I mean, we can do all of that digital and I can be the support in the middle for the surgical restorative perio ortho team because I can simulate anything you can possibly think of on my computer screen. So communication efficiency, getting from point A to point B, letting everybody on the team get their points in, and then showing that to each other three-dimensionally and finally to the patient. Yeah, I love it. So go back to, so repository for data. Now, one of the questions we always ask, and no one can raise their hand, like, how accurate is digital? No one ever goes, yeah, 101%, 100%. There's always, like, give us the real data from your perspective. I, I mean, is it 90? He's the, he's the numbers guy, but I'm just going to say this off the top. I just want to say this, right? Like, I can't even believe we're having this discussion still. 
just, hey, I get it these questions. It blows I'm, my mind, and I hear it a, a lot. I, mean, I do I, too. I, I hear it a lot, and I'm like, and I want to say, do you really people that know me and know the level that I'm trying? Do they really think that I would be doing this if things didn't fit? Like it just. Right. Right. It blows my mind. But well, why would they ask that? Because I get the same thing. Like, how accurate is it? I'm like, I don't know. I'll ask <laughs> these guys. <laughs> why would they even ask that? <sighs> Again, Go ahead. I, I, fear, 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 uh, not okay. trusting. Uh, one of the biggest things, you know, when I was working for consultant with Sarek and working for E4D, you know, one of the biggest pushbacks was, well, if I buy it this year, they're going to come out with a better one next year. And yes, they are. They're going to come out with a better one next year and probably a better one the next year and probably a better one even after that. But it doesn't matter just because there's a new car. You know, if you're if you're driving a Corvette, they're going to bring out a better one. It doesn't mean your Corvette is now worthless. Your Corvette is still cool. It still does great things. But yeah, there's always going to be a better one. <clears throat> and that's what we want to happen. But at the same time, it's just fear. And I think that's really going away because what so when we when we look at really what's going on in the research community and the prosthodontic community and all the journals, everything is digital. All research is digital now. Right. I mean, obviously there is biological research going on, but if it's anything in prosthodontics where we're making things, all the journals are digital now. And I think that that qualification from the universities is something we needed to have because we're showing cool things that can be done very predictably every day. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think one of the biggest shifts too that is where there's still a little stigma in the minds of a lot of dentists is maybe one of the fortunate or unfortunate things, depending on how you look at it, because Lee and I were were both involved pretty early with both CIREC and E4D. I was the six mm -hmm. user of E4D, but both of those technologies were driven by companies that were pretty much trying to make the dentist, both the dentist and the lab, which was spinning out same day crowns. I mean, it was a same day crown type concept. And, you know, so for me, one of my frustrations going through this, this time with, with companies was trying to get them to understand where we are now, that there's so much more that we could do with this if they would just write the code for it, if they would get out of their minds that it just didn't have to spit out a widget the right. same day that the patient is sitting there. Mm -hmm. And this is where Lee was working so hard, trying to, quite frankly, figure out much of the information that Dr. Dawson taught us 30 years ago, which, which was the basic concept of, if you're going to do anything, don't wing it. Like, have a plan have a three-dimensional visualization of where you're going. And to me, what's so exciting now is that that's starting to catch on a little bit. I mean, you certainly saw it with what Lee would did with 3Shape, uh, and, and you're seeing this now with Exacad. You start seeing people using Exacad, which is a competitive software, doing similar things. Um, there's a company right now that we're, that's primarily an implant guide company that is coming out with a CAD software that's going to have planning components to it. But one of the things that excites me the most about all this is, and again, it's also one of my big frustrations is I spent my whole life in dentistry trying to convince dentists and train them to plan and to, you know, use a face bow and to use an articulator and to put it on an articulator and wax. And if I'm really honest, I, I wasn't very successful doing that because it was so, it was a lot of steps and a lot of right. dentists are just really, really busy. And yep. it's hard for them to create that time and that workflow in their practice. What right. gives me so much hope about where we are now is all the pain points are gone now. They're right. freaking gone. I mean, the pain points of time, it's really just a matter of buying some software and you can be, you know, planning or, and, and again, we have some docs that just mount it and look at it and then send it to Lee or another lab and let them do the wax part, you know, the design part of it. There's <laughs> yeah. other guys, others that are doing the design in house, yeah. regardless of which way the time is way less. 
And, now, and, go back to that. Go back to that, because you're speaking my jam now, because that's one of my favorite topics. So I'm 52. You taught me this a long time ago. I'm officially playing the back nine, which I mean, you know, guys heard me talk about. The back nine is a different game. You screw up on the front nine. You do a lot of things. You waste a lot. Back nine, no way. Like every hole, every day counts. All this time. So for me now, everything's got to bring me two things, joy or time. That's it. And when you said your son already has it mounted while the patient's there, I'm thinking about when you have to do all this work right now, and then you're basically scheduling more time to review the case. Uh, and I'm coupling that with this. This is my one thought that I had while you guys were talking. So many years ago, there was this big talk about same-day dentistry. You have no idea how big the opportunity is in same-day dentistry. And it was all about fast and getting to say yes. And that is true because when people are there, they want to talk about it right now. Go to any business, go to a car lot. The guy locks you in a room, doesn't let you out. Like we got you locked in because they know the second you leave, the chances of you saying yes. Now, that's not what we're creating here. But the point is this, there's, pro there's power in proximity. You know, there's power in having these conversations while they're happening. The patient benefits in this too, Right. Yeah, and, and again, it's really interesting you're saying that, Kirk, because we're in the process right now of building a new office, and it's going to be a little bit bigger, and we'll have a little bit more flexibility to do some things. But this is, it's making me rethink everything, because the patient always came back because I didn't have the models mounted yet. I mean, I have to say the patient always came back, and Dr. Dawson used to say and, and that, it was good for the patient to come back because if you at the first visit, you just showed them the problems. They needed a week or so to think about the problems in order to accept the case. Well, I'm starting to, I don't know if that's true or not. I think we maybe said that because it made us feel better about the fact that it took us a week to mount the models. So, so, so what I'm saying is I, I'm really starting to rethink this to, to your point that if we have the data, and maybe it's not a tremendously complicated case, but, you know, there's stuff coming out right now with artificial intelligence where digital wax ups are going to ha happen extremely fast. I mean, we're not quite obviously there yet, but there's so much stuff that's right around the corner that if we get thing on a virtual instrument and we pick an incisal edge and we know what the guidance is there, it's not going to be really rocket science for a lot of this to be automated. Um, and, and again, I do think that patients come in and the more we can get that done that day is a good thing if we're not compromising. Yeah. And, this so, is just... and, that, and, and that's, that's the key. And so, so to your point, I don't have the answers to this yet, but I'm, 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 I'm reimagining everything that we've been doing because of of how we're doing it. And, and again, I'm, what I'm trying to really do is obviously make it easier for myself, my daughter, for my practice, make it better for my patients. But my real passion is if I can get more dentists to not freaking wing it and to really plan where they're going, dentistry is just going to be better. And, and again, that's what I kind of feel like is that the old way dentists found out that they could do a pretty good job not really having a clear picture and kind of visualizing, but prepping the teeth and letting the lab kind of sort it all out. Yeah. And sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Right. Yeah. Now go back to that. Lee, talk about winging it. Cause you're a lab guy. <laughs> Dentists don't wing it. Right. You don't ever see that. Do you? Lee? You don't ever see that. Right. <laughs> we, we, we specialize in fixing wing it, uh, but again, but to, to, to the point that we're, we're kind of emphasizing here. So a lot of times we do wing it just because of time constraints and doing the best we can. It's not, I don't think anybody's going out of their way to doing a bad job. It's just, there's a lot to do when you do it the analog way. So it's so much easier, whether the dentist wants to do it for himself. And I think that's the most important part. He can do it himself or he can just scan and work with a qualified laboratory that can do all this probably 10 times faster just because that's what we do all day. But it eliminates a lot of winging it because we're so much more efficient now. Yeah, yeah, and, and so and, and custom also shading and lab driver, lab case, like a lot of it, a lot of this is just push the envelope naturally. Yep. Along, well, yeah. And, and the other thing thinking about in the analog world, like 
people may think, well, it's not that different because a doctor could take a face bow and take some impressions and send it to the lab and have it all done. That's true. That could be done. But the problem is once the lab has the wax up, there's really no way to communicate on the case until the thing comes back in the mail. And with this technology, we can write a lab script that says, you know, put the incised ledge here. Maybe you even wax just the two front teeth digitally. You place them and send the file to the lab and let them finish it. But with TeamViewer, what is amazing is whether I'm doing the wax up or whether, or design, sorry, Lee, he liked design. Whether I'm doing the design or Lee's doing the design, all the time we're going on TeamViewer and when the screen comes up, we're looking at the exact same thing, like we're sitting next to each other. So if I tell him, no, I want the incised ledge a half a little millimeter longer or change the shape or whatever it is, um, you know, and we have several of our clients that are prefer, preferring to do it that way. Um, but to me, one of the, the most amazing things about this is whether I'm communicating with Lee, an orthodontist, a surgeon, the patient, whoever, yep. the level of communication is, it's not even close to yeah. what we were doing before. It's not even, it's so much better. I mean, in terms of, right. and again, if you're communicating at a high level, you're going to get better outputs that are closer to what you want, which again, if we're talking restorative or if we're talking surgery, the closer we are with that visualization of where we want to go in the beginning, the better the outcome is going to be. It's just going to be smoother. Yeah. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. I'm going to do a little Carmack. Okay. So and we're going to do it. <laughs> Lee, yeah. and I'm going to do it in the reverse. Your least favorite word in the history of dentistry. Oh, remake. <laughs> remake, yeah, remake. So, like remake was like the bane of your existence, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it got rid of stun. Now here's what remakes did. The fingers went in both directions. Do you know what I mean? Yep. You'd have this one blaming this one and this one. And so the truth of what you're talking about, John, is you use the word communication, digital visualization, like remakes go down dramatically. You think about the, the multiple benefits. We could list this out. There's like 30 benefits to this. Your lab fee's got to be going down. The amount of remakes you do has got to be going down when you move in this direction, Craig? Well, the lab... The lab fees didn't go down. Yeah, I would say the lab fee doesn't go down, but I will say that the percentage. Okay, forget that piece. <laughs> but the percentage of the overall percentage towards lab and the practice goes down. Right. And I think, right, I think right, the right. reason the percentage goes down is because of fewer remakes and because of increased efficiencies. You have 100%. More. We knew that whenever a lab percentage was super high, it was never because the lab fees were too high. It was, there was a, an efficiency factor. But talk about the number of remakes. Yeah, the, so, one, of the, one of the things that was funny a few weekends ago, and I'll just kind of, I, I was poke fun at Lee here a little bit. So we were do, we were showing these docs, the, the, the digital denture workflow, and we were sort of going through, and Lee was talking about how much time, you know, this time savings, yada, yada, yada. And then the, one of the, the docs goes, oh, so since we're saving time, we're going we're gonna to get the cases back sooner, right? And he goes... <laughs> He just laughs and goes, well, no, no. no. <laughs> because it still goes in the queue. You know, there's still, it's still, right. it's still just what it is. But yeah, if we weren't so busy, then but we could. And that's what a story I was about to tell. So Kirk, you brought up a good friend of all of us, a close friend of mine, Dr. Jerry Kugel, wonderful person, phenomenal dentist. But uh, we've done cases with him where he calls up and he goes, I've got Mr. or Mrs. Jones coming in tomorrow. I'm going to scan them real quick. Can you do a diagnostic and just show them the possibilities while they're here? So, you know, if things are pre-scheduled, you know, the, the two-week diagnostic turnaround that I used to have to do for John, you know, I can do something phenomenally quick with a photograph, with the teeth, patients sitting there and go, hey, this is, this is realistically what we can do from you. So we're not throwing a bunch of white teeth on a two-dimensional photograph. This is real 3D and what we can honestly potentially achieve if they move ahead. But we can do that. Patient comes in. If we know what's going on, we can have that ready in 10 minutes. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's absolutely phenomenal. What are some other trends or, you know, at least some resistance in this? Because you guys are training dentists all the time. And I'm shocked that you said 60% Lee. I, you know, 
you have all these thoughts that it would just be a bigger adoption number than that, you know? So. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still figuring out how to sell intraoral scanners for 20 years coming up with every argument we could uh, from finances to turnaround to efficiency, but we still haven't got, I don't think, because everybody keeps going next year's that tipping point next year. It's really going to take off. And it hasn't yet. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, when you look at Lee's lab, I think 60% is probably extremely high, but it's because of the nature of his lab. You know, I'm next door to a, a, a fairly well-known lab and, and I still see, and I see a lot of printed models, but I still see a lot of stone models over there too. I mean, their model and die room is still full of, of things, you know, for, of, of yeah, our model and die room is small now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't, I, and again, I, I think it's important for people to maybe understand that it's not that analog doesn't work. It, it of course works. It's the way we've done it for a really long time. But I do think that the trends in dentistry, like if you look at the companies that are making sort of, you know, making investments and stones and things like that, I mean, there's going to be a time that they'll stop making some of those products. I mean, it's starting to slowly shift in that direction. Um, I, I certainly think it'll be past the point, you know, it, it, it won't be 100% digital when I retire, that's for sure. But I certainly think in my life, my daughter's lifetime as a dentist, I think the ability to do traditional impressions is going to be very, very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, what I would just say, you know, to dentists thinking about it, yeah, you just, there's so much good studies now about the accuracy of scanning to being at least as good as analog. Okay. So if we just talk about the fit, there's tons of studies that says it's at least is as good. Many saying it's better, but when you add into that, the ability to scan a bite as opposed to squirting something between the teeth to capture the, you know, this, this dynamic uh, impression um, it's just the the speed and the patient's acceptance, the liking of the process is off the charts. And again, one study that I saw was scanning was faster, uh, regardless of what you were scanning. So whether you're scanning a little piece or the whole arch, it's still faster than what it takes to do, you know, an upper and lower impression traditionally. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Lee said the other day was, you know, I, I'm not a huge advocate for just doing things the, as fast as we can. Um, but I'm also not an advocate of doing things slow. Being slow doesn't mean you're good. It just means you're slow. I mean, you can right. be, you can be, you can be good and efficient and fast simultaneously. And I also know from a patient's perspective, the quicker you can get in and out, the less pain they have. I mean, everything about the perception of the appointment is better for the patient than if you're just sitting there and, you know, and fumbling around. So, Part of efficiency for me is making sure that I have a crystal clear picture in my brain when I pick up the handpiece of where, where I'm going. And, yeah. and, and so what I love about where we are now is I can get to that point of that crystal clear picture so fast and, yeah. and then have outputs like a printed model of exactly where we're going that's going to generate the temp or or maybe Lee prints me shells that we're going to use for the provisionals that way. I mean, there's so many different levels to this that are just, are just better. Yeah. And John, one of the things that you taught me early on is like as a dentist or as a dental professional, a lot of times we get disconnected to really what's what the patient is experiencing. And one of the examples you had was just sit in somebody else's chair and listen to a drill. It sounds totally different. You know what I mean? Cause I'll tell you what, you know, I tell, it's, I tell you what, the hell I, out of you. I had never had, I was blessed. I've, I've still never had a, a filling done, although I just broke a cusp off a tooth. So I guess I'm getting a crown soon for my daughter. But um, but I had veneers done because I had spaces. And I can remember when I had my teeth prepped, it's like two years out of dental school, and I'd never had a handpiece in my mouth. Mm. And I remember getting numb, and that handpiece went in my <laughs> mouth, and I just burst out laughing. Like I could not believe 
that that was actually what it sounded like inside yeah. your mouth. So, yeah, yeah, we get really, you know, as dentists, we get really, you know, anal about what we're doing and, and, and that's great. I mean, we've got to do a good job and all that stuff, but. Yeah. So here's my challenge to the listeners. Try this. So my orthodontist, all digital, you go to a general dentist, got the tray in the mouth with the putty, like you feel like you're going backwards a little bit, you know? Yeah. And so it's very, I mean, my kids are like, wait a minute, like, I, can't they just digitalize it? Like, so we, we often think patients don't notice this. They do. And I've done the whole, you know, I've, I've done this for years, wiping up the putty and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of easier going to the orthodontist because it's in and out and, you know, they're doing it pretty quickly and it's pretty accurate type of a thing. So it's something to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the other side of it, you know, the, depending on what, what you're trying to do with your office, I don't think there's any question that there is a perception um, by the patients about what level you're at a hundred percent, a hundred percent based on your ability to communicate with them and for them to have the ability to understand what's going on. And there just isn't any question that when I scan with my tarot, I can take two bites, CR and MI and on the spot, I can show them with a heat map where the first point of contact is in centric relation. I can show them the slide to MI on a big old monitor. Uh, right then, and I can then show them where the loose tooth is or the wear facet is. I mean, I can do all that. Um, meanwhile, Cornell might be grabbing the scan. So five minutes after that, I can put it on the articulator and virtually show them the movements, uh, the mandibular movements. I mean, that that's a level that even with stone models, as hard as I tried, I just don't, I just didn't see people understanding what an articulator was nearly as much as when they're looking at it on a screen. Right. And I, and I think that might be just because of where we are right now. I mean, when you're go to your physician, if they're showing you something, they're not holding up x-rays anymore. You know, they're, they're, you're looking at things on screens and pointing things out and it's just, it's just where we are. And so I feel like that the brand that I'm trying to create with my office, um, you know, we don't really throw it out there in terms of, of technology. I do love uh, Drew Cobb's new byline is reimagining dentistry in his office, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, but, but I do think that um, there is a level of expectation that if you're, if you want to get be known at doing this at the highest level, I think there's an expectation that you're doing it at the highest level of technology. Yeah. And if you're going to do it at the highest level, you're talking about showing the patients this, but I want you guys to go a layer deeper than this. One of the key pieces of green being a great restorative dentist is having a coach at the lab. So Lee, you do push this guy, you push other docs so you can see it in real time, what sure. they're seeing and if they're not seeing it correctly. So talk about how you push your docs to be better in that respect. So first it's just convincing all of my clients to get an intraoral scanner, number one, and trying to show them. So we'll get them on TeamViewer and just show them what other other docs are doing and the, the data we have. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's pushing, it's now being able to show if there is a margin problem, if there is an, an interocclusal problem, you know, whatever. So it's not just and it's not just showing them the challenges. It's also celebrating. This is the most incredible prep I've ever seen. Just look at your margins. But again, it, it just goes back to communication between the parties in trying to get everybody on a digital format because it's just so much better. But I'm constantly pushing and have been for 20 years. Yeah. So when you said that's the most incredible prep you've ever seen, was that John or was that another client of yours? Probably another client. <laughs> I got 60 year old hands. I love razzing you guys. It's just, I look, I look at my daughter's preps and I'm like, damn, I wish I had 28 year old hands, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I have like 30 more questions, but I know you guys don't have all day. I want you guys, any last thoughts on the digital you know, a workflow and how it's changing, not only with you guys, but the world of dentistry. And then I also want you guys to talk about what you're up to, because I think it's crazy cool. Um, so first, give us final thoughts on on what we've talked about today. John, yeah, I think the biggest thing uh, is for everybody to just, and I always say this, this is these type of decisions, they shouldn't be like, fly by the seat of their pants. This is one of those things that 
you needed to take an afternoon and maybe go for a walk and get out in the woods. Pete used to climb up into a tree stand and kind of look out three or four years and kind of imagine where you want your practice to be. Because, you know, working with these docs now, and we'll talk about the coaching program in a second, but, you know, watching them, we're about two years in with a lot of them. And a lot of them started with a scanner and then they got the three shapes technology. A lot of them are implementing printing now. And so it's definitely, it's, it's not something you can just turn the faucet on. It does take a little bit of time to work through, but it, it, it takes probably a couple months to where you really start to get um, going. And, and one of the things that Lee and I are having a lot of fun with is we've made that a whole lot easier because we've created some ways for people to learn this more rapidly yeah. with the videos and things like that, um, just from watching a lot of docs. But I just think that if you're going to be in dentistry for a while longer uh, and you love doing dentistry, I just, I just, for me, this is the most fun I've ever had. And, and it might be because it's something I dreamed about and visualized coming and we're finally here. And I'm just so happy that it happened before um, I went to sit on a beach somewhere, you know, there you go. Lee, how about you? So, yeah, no, it's an exciting time, uh, basically because it allows a laboratory to do things and support clients and patients like they never have before. So, yes, I had to learn orthodontics. I had to learn what you can and can't do from a period standpoint. But I can I, I mean, one of the things we're doing, so we're moving into more surgery every day. Uh, we do a lot of surgery here, but I've had uh, a guy, he wanted me to make him a bone reduction guide for crown lengthening. Uh, cool idea. But once I got all the data on the screen and I did all the measurements, like I've learned from my wife and John on crown length and bone height and free gingiva, I'm, you know, I'm measuring, showing him exactly. And I'm like, you don't need to do any bone reduction here. It's you're good to go. You have enough tissue to do the things that you want to do. Uh, so to, for a laboratory to be able to do that is absolutely crazy. Uh, and so I was at the <coughs> Perio Restorative meeting this week, uh, lecturing on a challenge that was presented to me. So working with a periodontist and he goes, Lee, you know, can you can you augment a bone on a digital model and print that out for me? And I'm like, sure. Yeah, I've had to figure it out, but we figured out how to do it. And then once they did that, you know, I called him up and I said, George, there's so much more we can do here. So we figured out how to put the teeth restoratively exactly where they need to be. Place the implants under the teeth, kind of regardless of where the bone is. So then we could measure what kind of bone augmentation was needed and what he would be able to prepare for. Then do that bone augmentation digitally, print out all the models, print out titanium meshes to be able to put the biologics in the right place at the right vertical and horizontal distance. But you, you couldn't have done that, you know, by hand. And if you did kind of figure it out, it would have taken weeks. You know, we, we can do something like that seriously in a, <coughs> excuse me, in an hour. So it's, I get to do things I've never done before. So I, I speak at perio and surgical meetings now and not laboratory and restorative meetings so much anymore because of the cool things working with surgeons and seeing what their needs are, we've been able to just to create cool workflows. Yeah. And I have no doubt a year from now or two years from now, you're going to have even cooler stories than that where you're really pushing the envelope. So it's good stuff. Now I want you guys to talk about this, what you're up to now, your coaching program. Uh, and John, we got you coming here to our uh, training facility, which I'm so excited about, but tell people what you're doing, how it works, why I would want to get involved if I'm a young dentist or even a mature dentist in this process. Yeah, so it's exciting. I mean, we, we have again, sort of reimagined dental education a little bit, maybe disrupting it a little bit. Um, but you know, one of the things about the digital, you know, going digital and going through this process that I went through when Lee was training me was that you can't really learn this in a weekend. You can't really get the software and learn it in a weekend. It's a process. And so, you know, we're helping docs now that want to put the articulators, traditional articulators up in the closet. Um, we help them get the right 
the right software uh, implemented after talking with them if, if, if they want to do some of the mounting in-house, some of the designs in-house. Um, we get them hooked up with the software. Whitmix uh, supports us with that. They do the onboarding process. And then doctors really have a choice of uh, going ahead and just doing the video training, which is kind of robust video training with with all the the the, uh, the scans that they use, the practice scans to learn the various things like mountings and doing basic wax ups, making shell temps, um, all the things that you would be doing restoratively, making splints, designing TM, different types of TMJ splints, printing and all that stuff. Uh, there's also an option if docs want to have access with me to do the videos and do some one-on-one -on -one coaching with me. That's been really fun for me. I do about uh, 10 hours a week of that. And some of the doctors are utilizing me just for buttonology, like they want a little more help. I see some of the older docs that, that want a little hand-holding. And then some of the younger docs, you know, they, they tend to get to the software pretty quick, but now we're treatment planning together. Mm -hmm. And so that's really cool because we can, we can be sitting right next to each other and uh, we can be figure out in size alleged positions and anterior guidance and posterior exclusion at a really, really high level. Um, some of the things they get also as Lee and I have eight on uh, morning lectures that we do throughout the year uh, that are on different subjects. We'll probably have a couple guest lectures in there as well, but we've done where we've done digital dentures. To, uh, Lee did a great one last time on smile design and tooth form. We'll be doing all on four and all on five, all on six design, uh, implant planning, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So what we're really trying to do is, you know, for the, about a, the price of one class that you would say, take it, you know, Dawson or Panky or something like that, a hands-on class, um, they train with us all year. And, uh, and, and, it, and again, I, what I like about it is we're now using WhatsApp in, in a private community. And I've seen this, this really cool group uh, start to bond together. Um, I learned something last night from somewhere that's changing how I'm printing. So we're starting to really learn from each other. Uh, but, but again, I, I just think that when you go down this road, one of the things that is that you got to understand is, and it maybe is going to disrupt dental education a little bit because it, you can't really go to a class, a two-day class, and learn this. You, you kind of need to be involved with the community and have different ways to get access to this information. Yep. That's where we find the video training and the WhatsApp and the online lectures. And then we're going to do some stuff with you, Kirk. You know, we're going to be doing uh, the uh, master class series with you. We've got one coming. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I can't wait to come to see your place in, uh, in Wisconsin. That'll be great, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a good time. So I'm so pumped. Now, uh, tell our listeners, I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if you guys are listening, I don't care if it's on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever, uh, where can I find out more about this and how can I get involved? Yeah. So let me just see. Yeah. So if you go to ccdigitaldental.com, ccdigitaldental.com, that is the primary website that sort of shows everything that we're doing. Uh, there's also a link, a link over to our Teachable site if you want to sign up. And again, from the standpoint of signing up with us, uh, there's, if you just want to tune into our lectures, that's one of the things that you could do. So there's kind of three levels to that. And, um, and then they can email me directly to them, and you can put my email up there as well if they have any questions about what we're doing. Uh, but again, it's, it's, a, it's not a huge group, but it's a, uh, it's a really fun group. And uh, and again, we're just going to kind of keep banging the drum here and yep. make sure that we uh, we sort of lead the charge in terms of, of of focusing on digital dentistry without compromise. And what I mean by that is really paying homage to not only biology and and, and structure, not only aesthetics, because there's been kind of digital smile design for a while from an aesthetic standpoint, but really making sure that functionally we're doing all the things that we have been able to do with uh, traditional articulation. That's what excites me the most. I think we can even do that better. That's awesome. Lee, what excites you the most? Possibilities. I mean, I know what we've come through and I know what we've done. Uh, I mean, we haven't even talked. So I'm going to throw this out because we haven't even talked about it. This is kind of the end of our session. We haven't even talked about robots yet. And you know what, what robots are going to be doing 
in the clinic or the potential of robots in the clinic. Um, you know, we, my whole lab, my half of my laboratory team is robots, if not more than people, but, uh, there's some cool things coming down the line, um, for potential. I mean, we're not there yet, but if we can think about it, it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Well, we'll save that question for the, for the next time. Next one. Yeah. Cause that question does come up and sure. uh, I don't know. I'm going to just ask you guys. I also want to do a session on dentures, you know, and a good yeah. one. And maybe we'll just do it on zoom so you can throw up some images because we do get a lot of questions about that. How would that work in the workflow and all that kind of stuff? Well, but, I tell uh, you the last, um, yeah, I would say that's been the last six months. I've just completely changed how I do dentures and I've got it down now. I mean, Lee sort of walked me through it. Um, but yeah, that'd be a great one because it's changing everything. Yeah. Um, we just need some pictures. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to make it happen because that's what we do. <laughs> Good. Changing and, you know, moving the needle on dental education. I just really enjoy being with you guys and uh, it's always fun. And I'm just going to encourage you guys to check out and see more of what John and Lee do. I know you'll love it. You'll always learn a ton. I do all the time. And uh, I'm going to keep having you back. Is that okay? Yeah. We, like yeah. like how I didn't even ask you. I just told you. Yeah, you told me. It's going to happen. You're, <laughs> you're happen. bossy like that. We know I, that. I get to be bossy. Pants, <laughs> everyone, so. Awesome. All right. Well, stick around while I say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, do us a favor. Just hit the share button. Share this with your friends. Make sure you check out what John and Lee are doing. I promise you, you're going to absolutely love it. And then keep sending us suggestions for things that you guys want to see. I have a million ideas. And I actually told them before I went live jerry kugel had this idea he's like get get all these guys on and let's fight it out or art not fight it out but argue it out debate it out i think through it we would all learn a ton because you guys all have different opinions and you're all very opinionated so that would be kind of fun you know that would be great yeah so until we see you guys next time keep watching the best practices show you guys enjoy the rest of your day So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.